Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, when I was 10, I was in Thailand and heard about trafficking. And it was kind of the break of my innocence in like, what, was, what went on in the world. You know, this needs to be stopped and just this passion started in me like this is this is a thing and this isn't cool these are girls my age and you know, still girls my age and it's like this just can't be going on <laughs> okay we are recording we are the voice of the under 25s i'm currently um shut myself in the toilet how on earth do you become a lolliologist <laughs> the bag with my blood in it my blood our stories what we think the truth and how long have you been sort of on the streets? Uh, on and off for a year. We got told that he was killed in a motorcycle accident. If we can't create a ginger army to take over the world, then we can at least lobby the government for tax-free sun cream. Podium.me. This is your platform. Hi, my name's Alice. Uh, I am 20 years old and I am currently living in London. Alice is 20, she's slight, and she's well-spoken. She started out our conversation by telling me why she didn't go to university. So I decided when I finished uh, my college that I actually, I really wanted to go to Hong Kong um, and be a part of this. I, I, wanted to, I wanted to be learning, but I didn't want to be in university. Uh, I wanted to really get out, and um, I'd also, like, recently just, um, become a Christian and I was like I really want to do something that's like really helping the world and that's kind of yeah went out there and had no idea what was about to hit me um, I was totally not equipped for being in that environment being like an 18 year old girl really optimistic and full of life I was like oh crap this this goes on in the world and this is what people people's lives are like and um, how do I help it was about, yeah, really loving them and getting to know them and making friends and playing music and playing games and hearing them out and forgiving and, yeah, which was, like, um, seeing guys get off uh, drugs and withdraw from, like, heroin addiction in um, a few days through prayer was incredible, Um yeah, going from the place where they couldn't, like, walk, couldn't get into the bath by themselves, they had to be carried and stuff, to then, after a couple of days, being clean, and they would just come up and be like, I don't understand, why is this happening, what is this, what is, what is going on, I've never heard of this before. Um, and seeing that and the power of that was just like, whoa, okay, there's something really real here, and this is awesome. You'd forget that they are supposed to be in jail and the kind of backgrounds that they come from, and also... Especially being a girl was really tough because their interaction with girls before were all in brothels and whatever, you know. So the way they saw you, like especially at first, was just like, you know, they see you as really down there kind of thing Mm -hmm. as a girl. So being able to build a friendship 
and try in every way to let them not see you as a female but as a friend um was really hard um and there were some times where yeah definitely times where when I felt not not unsafe I didn't I never felt like I'm in a situation that I can't get myself out of crap what am I going to do um I don't think not that I remember anyway and I think I would I always knew that it was okay but there were definitely times when I was like crap like this is this is scary and these guys are dangerous and they're awesome but they are dangerous um and you know there would be knife fights and stuff between the guys and luckily like obviously we wouldn't get involved and but yeah there there were times when you felt like I think yeah especially as a girl you would feel uh, really objectified and um mm-hmm. that kind of horrible feeling not not an unsafe feeling but just a, like ugh. She then told me about a woman named Jackie Pollinger, who at a similar age 50 years ago had a dream to help drug addicts in Hong Kong and traffic girls in the Philippines. And yeah, she's just a really cool, she's a really cool lady. She went out there when she was 18 um, and started this whole thing. It obviously started off really small and then now she's like 70, I think. Um, So (laughs) yeah, she's brilliant. Um, And she has this place called Singman Springs, in Hong Kong, um, which is on top of a mountain, and uh, you basically help the guys and the girls who have uh, been caught up in addiction. And it's often like they've been in gangs and stuff like that, and it's just amazing. I think it was amazing hearing their stories and um, making friends with them, with these, like, I don't know, it was kind of from the age of 12 to... 50-year-old guys who are, a lot of them, really gruff. Alice spent time in Hong Kong with Jackie, but she later went to a safe house for traffic girls in the Philippines. The thing I think that really struck me about the girls is just how happy they are and how full of life they all are. And um, and I spoke to this one girl called Minda because she was, she was a real babe. I really <laughs> enjoyed Minda. Um... She looked about 50 or younger, actually, 14, 15, really skinny old girl with, like, a huge smile with, like, missing teeth. <laughs> she was beautiful and amazing. And um, we were cleaning the house. She ran up to me and grabbed my hand and was like, let's, let's, you know, let's do the chores together. So I was like, great. So we went outside into the garden and um, started washing the rugs on like those, you know, with buckets of water and, and mm-hmm. the scrubby things. And and it was great. And as the bubbles came up, she said, oh, this is what I used to do with my uh, with my mum. And she was like, when I was with my mum, we would be washing the clothes. And then when the bubbles came, she'd blow them at me and, and all these bubbles would come. And she said, I used to find it really funny when I was little. And that kind of broke into her life story um, so she said that wasn't actually her real mum. And she said her real mum was a prostitute um, in uh, Filipino slums. And back then it was very... It still is, the Philippines, but a very Catholic uh, culture, very Catholic origin. And her mum got pregnant through one of the guys. And um, because the baby... Minda was born very prematurely. She was very small and kind of a bit squashed um, and didn't obviously have the right birth care or whatever. And um, some strong uh, 
beliefs that they had, which had, you know, obviously been warped and whatever it was. But um, basically her belief was that this baby was uh, from the devil and wasn't, wasn't a normal baby. So she shouldn't keep her. And so the baby just got left on the top of a, a table um, and like just wrapped in rags. The mum went on with her work, like didn't really think about what this baby was. And Minda now uh, has like cigarette scars on her scalp, <laughs> on her skull. And yeah, where hair doesn't grow. Yeah, kind of gives an example of the way that she was treated when she was there. Some people found her. It was actually a couple found her um, on the table and basically said, I, you know, we really need to take care of this baby. And she was very close to death. But they said, OK, if she's kind of if she's a monster, if she starts like biting us, then we'll we'll leave her, you know, but let's take care of her. Obviously, she's just a newborn baby. Um, and so they, they took care of her and were very kind to her, but they were also very poor living in these slums. And she said she grew up and like would run around the streets and people would laugh at her because she, she smelled really bad and she used to eat stuff out the bin. But she said she was always really happy. Um, she just always wanted to be naughty and get into mischief mm-hmm. and stuff. Anyway, then her, her mum died. Her, the mum that was caring for her died. And um, the guy couldn't take care of her on his own so she got sent to an orphanage and she actually got moved from orphanage to orphanage and they were uh taken care of by nuns and very strict environment and she said she remembers being in one of the orphanages and uh oh yeah her the nun told her that her dad had died the guy had died and the nun said something like it's, it's better off that he's dead anyway because he wasn't a great man. Um, and this upset Minda a lot um, because it was the only family she felt she had. So she ran away from the orphanages and basically vowed never to go back to an orphanage again. And then she was really low and uh, she tried to commit suicide. So she walked across a road where the bus was coming and she was saying, I have no idea why this happened, but the bus happened to stop right in front of me. And she said, I don't know why, because it was going at full speed. And she said that in that moment, she kind of felt like it was a God. Um, or, you know, that something was to do with God. And, and it, she got her kind of want for life back again. And she was really glad that she didn't die. She got involved in the streets, in gangs, became part of a gang. So she had knife scars up her and um, involved with one of the guys, the gang leader, who would then uh, basically use her to sleep with the different guys and stuff because she was under his control. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, all this is all this stuff is happening. By this point, Minda is 14. She then finds her mum again, um, her birth mum, mm-hmm. um, and finds out that she has a little brother and a little sister, and her little brother is really, really sick. But her mum is not taking care of her little brother. So uh, she got very angry. So she started um, selling herself so that she could earn money uh, to help her little brother and pay for his medical stuff. And yeah, from that, when she was in that place one time helping her little brother, um, her, this woman came and found her and said, do you want to get out of this? And she said, yes. Um, and she said, to this day, I have no idea why I said yes, because I'd sworn that I was never going to go back to a, 
a home or an orphanage. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said yes. And then she was brought there to, um, to this house. Um, at first she hated it, mainly because there were a lot of Western people around and she hated Western people because it was Western men mainly that would come to her mother's house and her mother would treat them very sweetly and disregard her and her little brother as if they were nothing. So she said, she said, it's been amazing coming here and getting to know God and my heart softening for Westerners and realizing that it's not, it's not the, you know, the Western culture that's like that. It's individual people. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was the most full of life person. Like Minda, she's so close to my heart. I asked Alice why the girls in the Philippines were different from the drug addicts in Hong Kong. In Hong Kong, we would, uh, once a week, we would go to the girls' house and stay with the girls and stay the night there. Um, So the girls' house in Hong Kong was similar to this house, except the girls are very different because coming from a place in Hong Kong where it was drug addiction and where they were there instead of prison, girls have a very different attitude to when they've been rescued from trafficking. Um, It's, they're both horrific circumstances, but... um, their attitudes are different. It's, it's, in my experience, it's been easier for the traffic girls to kind of, to want to be there. Um, although that is definitely not always the case. Sometimes they even want to go back to trafficking because it's, they can't see any other way or they can't see them being worth anything else. But a lot of the girls in Hong Kong would run away. But why did Alice go and do this work? When most of your friends are at university studying, she said she was a new Christian, so I asked her what that meant. I probably became a Christian when I was 17. So that's quite slash later 18. On, yeah. So how did that happen? Did it, was it just one day you woke up and found God, or how did that come about? Well, actually, for me, I was, I was brought up in a Christian family, which can go both ways depending on you know, what goes on. But I, So I was brought up with all of that. But when I was a teenager, I just... You know, I didn't, I didn't really, I still had respect for that. And like, yes, that's, you know, the religion that my family, okay, and I respected it and um, definitely loved God and believed in God. But in terms of living a Christian lifestyle or like all the kind of Christian, I hate that word, things, I was like, oh, I just don't, it's too, I'm quite creative and it was too structured and held down, I, I felt. But I got really ill and um, was on a lot of medication and then, basically prayed a lot and and really sought God and then was amazingly healed like miraculously I didn't need any of the medication none of the doctors could understand I was suddenly in this place of being completely healed and just after my prayer and just knowing that it was God and there was no other way for it (laughs) and my I can't really describe it my heart completely changed and the way that I thought about things and felt about things then was so different would Alice say that she had used any of her own skills to make people's lives better? In every single every single moment that I was out there, it was never because I was good at anything, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, it was never like, oh, good that I'm here because yeah. I'm good at this and I'm really benefiting mm-hmm. this. Like, it was to, that was what was so amazing. Is I was like, I'm not equipped to be here. I have no training. I mean, we got training when we were there, but it was like, I'm not trained to be with <laughs> this kind of people. You know, I'm not... a psychologist or counselor or a doctor or pastor or whatever you know I'm just a kid basically finally Alice told me about an extraordinary meeting that made a massive impact on her 
Yeah. Um, this guy who had a flesh disease on his leg, um, and he had had it for years and years and years, and um, his flesh was all mangled and smelt really bad, and so nobody would go near him. Um, and he had a tiny little cramped flat in Hong Kong, uh, and it smelt really bad because he couldn't take care of himself. Um, and his, yeah, his flesh was basically open. It was this disease. So we went to pray for him, and it smelled terrible. I mean, it was really hard. Um, but we went and prayed for him, basically. He's like, can we, can we pray for you? Um, and he accepted, and we, we prayed. And um, went back a week later, and his leg was completely healed completely healed and as he saw us he was in the park and as he saw us couldn't speak a word of English came like coming up to us like oh my leg you know it's completely he was just so excited um and yeah that was that was really incredible and then we were able to he took us up to his flat and then we helped clean it um and then he wanted to like really know more about God and um wanted to get baptized and all this stuff and it was incredible um just people's lives completely transformed, but again, totally not in our strength. Do you feel it was hard coming back to England as like a first world country, seeing everybody that's, you know, privileged and complaining about the little things like it's all oh, it's too cold out or all oh, the bus is late. It was tough to almost transition between the two. I found the transition really tough. But also what was amazing is what was really eye opening for me coming back was seeing the struggle that people go through here and it's not the struggle isn't just in third world countries i mean even you know drug abuse and stuff like that there's so much of it here so much of it um it's just a lot more kind of almost less serious people don't see it as a as a big deal but people you know and the rate of like depression and everything is so high and there's a lot of crap that goes on in the uk um that i feel like it's almost a lot more secretive and people don't know it's almost a lot more behind doors but it's it's in no way that we are a lot better off than them it's um it just it's just very different circumstances and situations um so i that was an eye opener for me to not come back and be like you guys don't know what's going on across the world because i mean who was i to, mm-hmm. <laughs> to say that i've been there for like less than a year and um uh, it's just very different so so that was interesting but definitely when I first came back in stuff like walking into kind of full supermarkets and like being able to buy whatever or pe- when people talked about things that you were just like ah oh, it's not worth it's not worth your breath talking about this stuff it's just not important and knowing where I fit in society as well my name is James. I'm Ella. Hi, I'm Oliver. Hello, my name's Shauna. Rhiannon. I'm Ethan. Hi, we're Jungle Doctors and you're listening to Podium.me. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.